Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Praying in the Spirit. This is part one, and the focus of part one of this uh, series is learning to pray in the Spirit, and this is lesson number two. And the title of this lesson is, What Meaneth This? What Meaneth This? Beginning reading in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, just to take up where we left off in the last lesson, uh, the crowd heard the uh, the people receive. They, they all were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them the utterance. And then the, the crowd gathered because they heard this commotion taking place, and uh, they recognized that uh, these people, by dress apparently and dialect, uh, were or uh, or. Some other way they knew they were all Galileans from the province of Galilee in Israel. And uh, they were all speaking in these languages that they assumed that they did not know, not all 120 of them. And so this was a sign to them. And uh, the scripture says in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 11, Cretes and Arabians, we, and that's just two of the, the long list of people from different countries that heard them speak in their own language. The people were devout Jews from every, out of, under nation, out of every nation under heaven. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? What mean, what's this all about? Others said, mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Now I'll stop there just a minute. Look at how ridiculous the links are that people will go to to excuse themselves from participating in something that challenges their status quo. How ridiculous is it to contribute or attribute the ability of these Galileans to speak fluently in languages they did not learn to be a drunk? And at the risk of sounding ridiculous, but making my point, if somebody could create an alcoholic beverage that when you got drunk, you would be able to automatically speak languages fluently that you had never learned, those people would own the world. They would become such a dominant business that they would own the world. Why? Because ever since the Tower of Babel, when everybody, everyone spoke the same language and had the same me- message or word, speech, or word, they all agreed on the same things, the world has been scattered by both language and different perspectives. And if you can get drunk and come back to the unity of the Tower of Babel, who wouldn't buy that, right? Well, uh, it it wasn't true, it didn't happen, it will never happen. But that's how ridiculous the effort is of flesh to excuse itself from what it doesn't have, to justify to itself what it doesn't have. So the crowd said, sincerely, what meaneth this? Because we hear these people extolling the wonderful works of God. But some in the crowd reveal their carnality by saying, oh, these people are just full of new wine. While they were mocking what was going on. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice 
it said unto, uh, unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell of Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. That means that's now nine o'clock in the morning. So however long that prayer meeting went on before the crowd got the attention of those that were praying and they stopped to address them, uh, it had been under three hours because uh, uh, the, the uh, third hour of the day is uh, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Let me read to you verse uh, 16 again. But instead, this is the beginning of what was spoken through the prophet Joel, Amplified Classic Edition. The Bible of Basic English translates it this way. But this is the thing which was said by the prophet Joel. The easy to read version says, But Joel the prophet wrote about what you see happening here today. This is what he wrote. And Weymouth Amplified, uh, Weymouth's New Testament says, But that which was predicted through the, the prophet Joel has happened. And then the Passion Translation of the New Testament says, This is the fulfillment of, of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel, for God says. And what did he say? It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, in every other instance just about in the Old Testament where the New Covenant is talked about, it's talked about from the perspective of the Jews receiving the New Covenant. But Joel, in chapter 2, verse 28, he he, by the inspiration and authority of the Holy Ghost, expanded the, 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 the new covenant to beyond the Jews, but to all the Gentiles, which, of course, is what God had promised Abraham in both Genesis 12 and 22, uh, that the blessing of Abraham would come on all nations and the blessing of Abraham would come on all the families of the earth. For that to happen, it wouldn't be just on Jews. It would have to be on Gentiles. And so Joel's prophecy is fulfilled on the birthday of the church, even though the people that receive the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, 120, and then the eventual 3,000 or so, were all either Jews or Jewish converts to their faith. or converts to the Jewish faith. They were all that. So while the Lord said, it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, that was not fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. So Peter, in his uh, in his scriptures, doesn't quote the Hebrew version of Joel 2.28 exactly. The spirit of the Lord takes what he says and applies it not to the beginning of the new covenant, but to the end of the new covenant. And he says, this as that, which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, it shall, in last, it, 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 it shall come to pass on the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So from the beginning of the New Testament, the Holy Ghost prophesied through Peter, 
using Joel's prophecy about what God was going to do in the end times, right where you and I are living right now. According to uh, uh, the United Bible Society hand, uh, Handbook for Translating the New Testament, in commenting on Acts chapter 2, verse 16, and this is that, it says the total shift of viewpoint at the beginning of verse 16 should be made quite explicit in your translations in different languages. Because it's a total shift in viewpoint. The pronoun this in the first clause must refer to the speaking in tongues and not to the presumed drunkenness. In many languages must make this, one must make this reference somewhat more specific. For example, this that has happened or even this that you see and hear was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Now, that is the United Bible Society Translators Handbook for translating the New Testament in giving instructions to translators into different languages of guidelines to follow in how to translate Acts 2.16. Acknowledging that a total shift took place from what had happened that morning to the impact and import that that would have on the rest of the church age. So much so to make it, they they state, that it's important to make it clear that that shift was not speaking about the word this, was not speaking about the, uh, 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 the baptism of the Holy Ghost, because they didn't know what to call that. And they weren't speaking about the, Peter wasn't speaking about their, the drunkenness. The, this is that, according to the United Bible Society Translators Handbook, has to clearly refer to the speaking in tongues. So according to Peter, and according to these Greek experts on translating the Bible, it should be understood that when Peter was quoting the book of Joel, He was quoting it in reference to tongues being the sign or the indicator that people had received what Joel prophesied they were going to get. Now, for the remainder of this lesson, just so we can clearly state what the this is, that speaking in tongues is the sign of, the initial external evidence of, that which you should be willing to participate in as a New Testament believer, as a part of the the body of Christ, who are following all the teachings of the the apostles, you need to understand what this is from a, this prophecy was referring to. uh, So, the important part for you to see here is that the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is the essence of the New Testament. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25, Then will I sprinkle, sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will put within you, I will give you a, 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 a heart of flesh. And all of that is done through faith, repentance, and water baptism. 
and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not just an experience. It becomes an empowerment to do the work of God, to walk with God, and to please God. And that empowerment of the Holy Ghost is called grace. Grace is the love of God by the Spirit of God in our lives, empowering us to do what we cannot do ourselves. And that's the difference between the Old Covenant and New Covenant, because in the Old Covenant, God was with them. But all of their obedience to the laws of the Old Testament, all the do's and don'ts, they had to try to do the do's and not do the don'ts by their own ability and strength, by their own human will, by their own human ability. Well, of course, they couldn't do that. And neither can or could we. So the difference is God in the new covenant, he can't comes into us to empower us to do what you cannot do through the flesh. No wonder Paul was so upset. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, he said, Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You, you gave up and acknowledged that you can't do this, and God gave you the spirit. But now are you going to go back to the old way of trying to do the words and the work of God through your human strength and ability, through your human intellect and, and talents? No. The word essence, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the essence of the New Testament. The definition of essence, just for, just so you see how important, how, how clear this word is. It's the intrinsic nature, nature or indispensable quality of something, especially of something that ter- determines its character. Another definition is the basic, real, and invariable nature of a thing or its significant individual creature. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is the essence of the New Testament in Jesus' name. Then, uh, according to Second uh, Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 2, the baptism of the Holy Ghost makes us a partaker of the divine nature. Second Peter two, Second Peter one, verse two: Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our of God and our Lord Jesus and Jesus our Lord, uh, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That through these promises, that by these promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So when I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God, the only part and, and type of God or, or uh, uh, essence of God that can dwell in the finite, in the, the life of a human being, I receive it. I receive an expression of the divine nature, the Spirit of God, the, the, the part of the Spirit of God that came from the infinite through the Logos into the finite is now coming into my spirit. And while the Spirit of God was upon 
prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament. Nobody had the baptism of the Holy Ghost until after the day of Pentecost, starting on the day of Pentecost. We know that from John 7, verse uh, 37 through 39. Jesus said, the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly, his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And then John, writing in about in the 60s or so A.D., uh, 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 explain to us what Jesus was saying because verse 39 in the King's Asian version is in parentheses. And this, but this spake he of the spirit that they that believe on him should receive, not might receive, or it would be good for them to receive, but should receive, which is future tense for the shall of obligation, the shall of requirement. They that believe on him should receive. But the Holy Ghost was not yet given when Jesus spoke these words because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what was received on the day of Pentecost did not exist before the day of Pentecost. It didn't exist. It wasn't available to man. The only person that truly had the Spirit of God in them like this, and of course he had the Spirit of God without measure, was the man Christ Jesus born of a woman. He had the Spirit of God in him without measure. Now, to further prove this, the Scripture says uh, that Jesus said concerning John the Baptist that there was no greater prophet born of woman, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And what is the kingdom of God? Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So those that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what they got was greater than what the greatest prophet born of woman had. Those are Jesus' words. And he said it in more than one gospel. It's written in more than one gospel by the mouth of two or three witnesses. So this is something different. And, and even though the Holy Ghost came on Mary and overshadowed her and conceived in her the Christ child, she didn't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How do we know that? Because in Acts chapter 1, we're told that Mary was a part of the crowd of, of the group of 120 that received the, day, the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Even she did not have the Holy Ghost as was given on the day of Pentecost until that day. Now, Jesus uh, spoke about this uh, in several places, but especially in Luke chapter 24. And Luke was the writer of the book of Acts. And so instead of reading what Jesus said at the end of Luke chapter 24, I'm just going to pick up with the summary that Luke gave at the beginning of Acts chapter 1, and uh, and, and we can go there. Uh, Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, uh, <laughs> this is amazing. Because John said 
in Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. This is the verses that Jesus is quoting. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy unto bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So Jesus commanded them to not to go back to Jerusalem after his ascension and to not leave there until they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I will say this is the only time in Scripture that anyone ever tarried for the Holy Ghost. No one ever tarried for it. Everybody else, it was it was received as soon as it was offered. In Acts chapter 2, when they were received, the Holy Ghost was poured out. In Acts chapter 8, in Samaria, they'd been baptized. They hadn't gotten the Holy Ghost, but they weren't tarrying for the Holy Ghost. As proven by the fact that messages were sent to Jerusalem for Peter to come, who was given the keys to the kingdom. And it was when Peter and John came and laid hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. And they received the Holy Ghost immediately upon receiving their, the hands being laid upon them. In Acts chapter 2, Cor, uh, 10, Cornelius had a relationship with God, but God was so anxious for him to have the Holy Ghost that he, he had an angel tell him to go send for Peter. So Peter would come and preach to them again. Peter opened the, the, uh, they used the keys to open the door of the baptism of the Holy Ghost to the, to the Jews, then to the Samaritans, were, which were, who were, uh, mixed Jew Gentiles, and then finally to the Gentiles, uh, in Cornelius' house, who were the first to receive the Holy Ghost. And while Peter was speaking, and it was only about five minutes or so in his speaking, as soon as the word of God was fulfilled, the Holy Ghost fell on them. The Holy Ghost fell on them. And so this is what uh, this is what Jesus came to give. And he commanded us to not and commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem until they received the promise of the Father. So the promise of the Father was the primary focal point, the essence of the new covenant because that was going to birth the church who would be his bride forever and would become his body through whom he would work when he ascended into heaven just 33 plus years after he was born. Now, it is the will of God for everyone to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to pick up in the, and begin reading in the middle of, of Peter's sermon in Acts chapter, uh, Peter's uh, message. wasn't a sermon. He didn't have notes. Uh, Peter's message uh, on the on the day of Pentecost that starts in Acts chapter uh, two verse twenty two. I'm skipping down to verse thirty. Therefore, being a, uh, by being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, this is speaking of David, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up. Whereof we are all witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. The man Christ Jesus, resurrected, ascended into heaven, was glorified. How was he glorified? Because he was placed on the throne of heaven. There's only one throne in heaven. And became the visible representation of the infinite I am Father God forever. 
He said, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. That's true then when he was on the earth, and it's true today and will be true forever, forever. And so Peter is preaching this to us. And uh, and the scripture says that that Jesus, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. So Jesus said they'd receive the promise of the Father. John the Baptist said that they would uh, receive it because Jesus would be the one giving it to them. And when they received it, you could see and hear when somebody receives the Holy Ghost. It's not an internal thing that they don't know when they get it and that nobody else knows when they got it. For David, verse 34, continuing, David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith uh, himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand and make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were convicted in their heart. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, now, notice this carefully. Peter said this was the promise from, uh, uh, through the prophet Joel. Jesus commanded them to go and wait till they received it. And then Peter said, uh, you shall, if you, if every one of you, which is a command, Repent, which is in the imperative tense of command, and be baptized, which is in the imperative tense of command, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, remission of sins, and ye shall, every one of you is implied there, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, not some of you, every one of you, and to your children, and to all that are far off. This is, this is, uh, Biblical terminology for the Gentiles, because the Jews were his near people, and the Gentiles were far off until Jesus Christ brings them into him and make him a part of the body with the Jews, which is what he did, and Paul wrote much about that, and I'm not going to get into that. Now, so during this, this is that, so this, so this is that, which God will pour out during the last days. And and I'm reading now from Joel's promise in chapter 2, verse 21. Fear not, O land, but be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And uh, notice this. He'll cause to come down for you the rain, not natural rain, spiritual rain. And we know that because of the rest of the context. And the, this, that rain was going to come in two primary 
uh, 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 deluges, one in the beginning called the early rain, and the other, or former rain, and then the other in the latter rain. One at the beginning of the church age, one at the end of the church age. Now, people will get to receive the Holy Ghost all through the, the 2,000 years of the church age, but the real emphasis of God is at the beginning which Joel specifically talked about when he said it shall come to pass afterward, that we'll read in a moment, uh, was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost day of Pentecost. And Peter on the day of Pentecost quoted Joel, it shall come to pass in the last days, which speaks of the latter rain. And here's the result of that. This is speaking not of natural, but of spiritual things. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. So the wheat is the harvest, and that's individual souls. And the fat shall overflow with wine and oil, meaning there will be great manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Wine brings joy according to the spiritual application, and oil is both for anointing and healing and deliverance. And so the floor shall be full of wheat, the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore unto you, to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm, caterpillar, palmworm, that my great army which I sent among you. So all of that that the adversary has tried to destroy over the years, God's going to give it back to us in an abundance before the church age is finished. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. It shall come to pass afterward. Excuse me. I skipped the place. Verse 26. I'll read one more time. Verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palm worm, my great army which I sent among you. And those are different stages of the development all the way from the, uh, the, the smallest uh, new new worm that becomes a locust. All those are different growth stages of the locust. My great army and locusts devour all your efforts. <laughs> and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and, shall, and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out of my spirit. Now, here this is so very important here. Again, Joel's prophecy was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. But on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of the Lord quoted through Peter these words. And it, Acts 2, 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. So from the former reign on the day of Pentecost and that continued through most of the first century unto the latter reign, which comes to pass in the last time before the rapture of the church, Peter refers to that latter rain from the former rain from the same prophecy because it's the same promise and because it's manifested by the same evidence. And to further confirm this, as I close this lesson, James chapter five and verse seven says, be patient. Therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it, 
until he received the early and latter rain. And we're living in the time of the latter rain. And it's the will of God for us to receive that. He said, be ye also patient, verse 8, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The word patient there implies from uh, the, the, uh, the, the family of words, to stay under whatever situation he puts us under and is trusting us with so that we can be perfected by our trials and temptations, uh, tests, according to James 1. And then by those trials and by prayer in the Spirit and the Word of God, our hearts will be established because the coming of the Lord draws nigh. But the Lord's coming cannot happen until after this harvest that he's waited all these years for. So this last great harvest is the last sign before rapture. In Jesus' name, I pray that the spirit of grace, the spirit of the love of God, the spirit of faith would come upon you and I, and that we would give ourselves to the plan, the purpose of God and the kingdom of God, that he might that we might not only receive everything he has for us, but that we will also submit ourselves to him to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is so, let it be so. God bless you. In Jesus' name.